0: you're listening to arc radio podcast this program is brought to you by the islamic studies trust bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahir rabbil alamin salatu wassalamu ala sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin habibi rabbil alamin wa ala alihi al tayyibin al tahirin wa ashabihi al mayamin wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsan ila yawmiddin thumma amma ba'd we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of the heavens and the earth, and we ask him to send his peace and blessings upon our master, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu upon his blessed family, his loyal companions, and all of those who followed after with excellence up until the day of standing. Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. Thereafter, the Prophet sallallahu had a, a dilemma to deal with, and that was the fact that the pre-Islamic Arabs uh, didn't give women their due rights, and uh, as we know uh, from from some of their very ill and evil and wrong ways, was that they would bury their daughters alive, and uh, because they deemed it to be a dishonor for them to have a daughter in the house, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wanted to eradicate this by gifting the Prophet ﷺ not one but four daughters who all grew up and had children and his male children would pass away in infancy. And the Prophet ﷺ not only through his speech and his instructions to his companions as to how to uh, treat women uh, but also through his own conduct with his daughters and with his wives uh, was, was uh, was a great culture change for the Arabs. The Prophet وسلم, he said, Nobody except an honorable person will honor women, and nobody except a, a, a lowly, dishonored person will dishonor them. And it's reported that one of the final statements that the Prophet وسلم, ever said before passing on from this world was, That we give you good counsel concerning uh, the prophet ﷺ said i give you good counsel concerning your women and he also said this on the day of Arafah, when he performed uh the the, the khutbah of uh, of his hajj he said is, uh, is, take uh, uh, take heed of your women folk uh, i give you counsel in your women folk that you treat them well and uh this was through his speech and then through his conduct was that the Sahaba عنهم, said that when Sayyidina Fatima عنها, would come to visit the Prophet وسلم, he would stand up and walk towards her And this was something that the pre-Islamic Arabs didn't even, they, they couldn't perceive something like this, that a man walks towards his daughter, he would walk towards her, welcome her, he would kiss her on her forehead, and then seat her besides him in showing her all of that affection and love. And uh, one of the most beautiful things uh, in in the relationship of the Prophet with Sayyidina Fatima was that whenever the Prophet traveled, he made sure that the last person that he met was Sayyidina Fatima so that uh, the memory of uh, so, so that the memory of Sayyidah Fatima can uh, joins the Prophet in his travels, so he's not parted from her throughout his travels. And then upon his return, the first person he would connect onto and meet would be Sayyidah Fatima radhiyallahu anha. So on either ends going, he she'd be the last that he meets. And returning, she'd be the first that the Prophet ﷺ meet. Which means that the Prophet ﷺ didn't want to part from her. And when he returned, he was extremely eager to meet her. And um, one of the reasons why the Prophet ﷺ gave so much affection and love to Sayyidina Fatima was that she needed it. And why did she need it? Because Sayyidina Fatima went through a lot of difficulties in life. And amongst the most uh, severe of those difficulties were was that she lost her mother within her lifetime. Right? Sayyidina Fatima anha lost her mother, Sayyidina Khadija in her lifetime. And she lost all of her brothers in her lifetime. And she lost her three other sisters within her lifetime. So basically Sayyida Fatima saw every person of her family die within her lifetime of her brothers and sisters and of her mother. And she saw how the Prophet ﷺ went to a ta'if and they stoned him out of a ta'if. She saw how the people of Makkah treated him and insulted and abused and tortured his companions so much so that the Prophet ﷺ had to give up Makkah and travel into the bewilderment of the Arabian desert and come to Medina. Right? Now, a, a person who, who's been through all of this indeed needs extra care and extra love. And this was from the specialities of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know the verse of the Qur'an in which Allah addresses the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says, Wa arsalnaka illa rahmatan We didn't send you but as a mercy for the worlds. You know, this verse I say, he was mercy for everything in the world. Uh, everything in the universe he was a mercy for. But in particular, his, the, the the primary focus of his mercy was for mankind. Why? Because mankind is the most difficult of being. Right? Mankind uh, is is the most complicated of, of beings. And the Prophet ﷺ was given mercy to deal with mankind. For example... Uh, Two examples of how the Prophet ﷺ, through his compassion and mercy, uh, gave comfort to people. A man walked into the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Messenger of Allah, I'll accept Islam, but I can't give up uh, in in, uh, committing fornication, adultery. The Prophet didn't say to him, how dare you come into my gathering and speak like this? Don't you know I'm the messenger of Allah? No. He called the man over to him. And he sat him beside him. You know what the Prophet did? The Prophet placed his hand on the man's chest. And then he said to him, Would you like it if it was your mother? Would you like it if it was your wife? Would you like it if it was your daughter or your sister? The man said, When the Prophet placed his hand on my heart and he asked me those questions, it became the most abhorrent and the most disgusting act to me in my entire life. And I said, Messenger of Allah, I'll never do it again. But what caused him to say that was the closeness that the Prophet gave him. And how 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 how, how much proximity the Prophet gave this man. Another time, Sayyidina Umar and he found a man in the masjid reciting the Quran in a different style to him. So he said, <laughs> Where did you get that from? I haven't had the Prophet read like that. He said, but I have. So he grabbed the man and he took him to the Prophet alaihi He said, Messenger of Allah, he's reciting in a way that we don't recite. So the Prophet said to her, Umar, he said, release him. Let him go. And the Prophet said to the man, he said, recite. And he recited. And then he said to Sayyidina Umar, recite. And he recited. And the Prophet wasallam said, unzil wa unzil." The Qur'an was revealed like this. And it was revealed like this. I.e. the dialect of recital. Sayyidina Umar said, you know, at that particular moment when the Prophet said that, something much worse than the thoughts of jahiliyyah, than the thoughts of pre-Islamic ignorance suddenly went through my heart. He said, as soon as that happened, the Prophet put his hand on my chest and they disappeared. He said, had it not been for the Prophet's hand touching my chest, I don't know what would have happened to me. Right. So the Prophet ﷺ, he knew how to deal with people's uh, difficulties and hardships through his love and his compassion. Right? And how to give them attention so that the difficulties of life is for them. So Sayyida Fatima, عنها, the difficulties that her father knew that she lived through right from childhood up until now, and then there was one more difficulty that was to strike her, beyond which there was no other difficulty. The Prophet ﷺ would keep Sayyida Fatima under his special gaze and uh, and his sight, so to uh, uh, so, so so to give her uh, compassion and love that she she doesn't feel vulnerable. She doesn't feel vulnerable. Uh, the and Sayyidah Fatima رضي الله saw how when the Prophet ﷺ returned back to Makkah uh, at the time of the conquest, he was with 10,000 companions. And now the Meccans were weak. They didn't have anything left. They had been uh, destroyed in Badr and Uhud and, and so in all of the battles, there was nothing left of them. So now they're marching into Makkah and the Meccans come out and they're frightened. So they come to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet says to them, what do you think I'm going to do with you today? Now he's got 10,000 with him. He's got power with him. He's got might with him. They killed and tortured his companions. They made him flee. They, uh, they took up the wealth, the businesses, the, the property, the land of his companions. The Prophet said to them, what do you think I'm going to do with you today? And... Um, they said, "Akhun Karim, Wabnu Akhin Karim," you're a noble brother, the son of a noble brother. They knew the Prophet ﷺ was was forgiving, and you know he'd overlook something like this. But look at what they had done to the Prophet ﷺ, and how all of their evils towards him only increased him in more forbearance and patience. And that was from the qualities of the Prophet ﷺ that. Uh, the more that anybody increased in evil towards him, the more he would increase in forbearance. The stronger Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala would make him. Sayyidah Fatima saw that when he returned back to Makkah, he forgave all of those people, and it didn't make a difference to him, Sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam. And then he returned back to Medina, right? And and uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alayhi love. For Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha was so much that you know there was a general statement amongst the companions that they would say to the Prophet, they would say to him, Fidaka abi wa ummi, may my mother and father be ransomed for you. My, may my mother and father be sacrificed for you, O Messenger of Allah. This is what the companions used to say to the Prophet. But do you know this is the statement that the Prophet would say to Sayyidah Fatima? he would say to her fidaki abi wa ummi may my mother and father be sacrificed for you may my mother and father be ransomed for you and you know the arabs and non arabs uh, have uh, would pick up nicknames or titles or agnaments uh, and be known by the father of so and so and the mother of so and so right so uh, sayyidina ali was abul hasan the father of hasan and uh, the Arabs, they would call people by their agnomans to show affection and love, right? Because if you want to reach the heart of any person, uh, the quickest way to do that is to speak about their children to them, right? To announce their children to them, to uh, make them know that you know something about their children, right? Even if it's just their name. So when the Arabs would want to show affection towards each other, they would call them uh, each other by their agnomans, by... Abu Hassan or uh, Umm al-Fadl and so on. The Prophet wasallam gave Sayyidah Fatima radiyallahu anha an agnomen. Does anybody know it? That- Zahra was her title. Uh, an agnomen is that which begins with Abu something or Umm something. right? So for example, the Prophet wasallam was Abu al-Qasim, the father of al-Qasim. He was Abu Ibrahim, the father of Ibrahim. Um, uh, and uh, and like that. Yes. Ummu Abiha. The Prophet ﷺ would say to Sayyidina Fatima, Ummu Abiha. What does that mean? He would say, She is the mother of her father. She is the mother. When he would call her, he would say, Ummu Abiha. As if he was saying, You know, he, he was saying to her, The mother of your father, why would he do that? To show her so much affection and love and concern. Right? I I saw this in Syria when 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 parents call their children, if the father calls a child, says Baba, and if the mother calls a child, she'll say mama. But in return, the children will say the same. Right? The children will if the father calls a child the, the father will say, Baba, and the child will reply and say, Baba. Do you get it? So, to show that a, a deep affiliation uh, and a relationship. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ would do, but only with Sayyidah Fatima. He would say, Ummu Abiha, the mother of her father. Anha. And he would say, Fidaki Abi wa Ummi, May my mother and father be sacrificed and ransomed for you. Right? This shows the amount of love and affection the Prophet Sallallahu had for Sayyidah Fatima Radiyallahu Anha. Sayyidah Aisha Radiyallahu Anha said that um, or Imam Tirmidhi Radiyallahu narrates that there wasn't anybody who resembled Sayyidah Fatima uh, Radiyallahu Alaihi Prophet وسلم, in his style of speech, in his walk, uh, in, in, in his lifestyle. There was nobody who resembled him more than Sayyidah Fatima Radiyallahu Anha. There was nobody who resembled him more. And Sayyida Aisha Anha said that uh, Sayyidina Fatima Anha came to the Prophet sallallahu whilst he was in his final um, moments and um, when she saw the Prophet sallallahu in such agony and, and, and physical pain, uh, she was worried and she said, Wa karba. What a calamity, what a difficulty. And the Prophet ﷺ said to her, There won't be a calamity on your father after this day. Sayyida Aisha said, The Prophet ﷺ whispered something into her ear. And she began to cry. And when he saw her tears, he called her over again. And he whispered something into her ear again, and she began to smile. the Aisha said, I'd never seen uh, sadness so close to happiness before this day. I'd never seen them so close. She said, I asked uh, Fatima radiallahu anha, what was it that your father told you? And she said, it, it was a secret. I can't, let you, I can't tell you. So the scholars have said, she was... The, the secret keeper of the Prophet sallallahu also in that she didn't let anybody know of what the Prophet said to her at that particular time later on after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa left this world Sayyidah Aisha insisted and asked her again what did your father say to you? and she said now I'll tell you she said the first time when he whispered into my ear he said that Jibril alayhi salam used to come to me every year in Ramadan and review and revise the Quran with me once. And this year he came, and he repeated the Quran with me twice. And that can only be a sign for my close departure from this world. And Sayyidah Fatima said, when I heard that, tears just began to flow from my eyes. You, can you imagine it? She lost her mother, she lost all of her siblings, and now her father's telling her that you'll soon see me leave this world also. she said, my my tears wouldn't stop. And when the Prophet ﷺ saw those precious tears flow from her eyes, he called her over again. And he gave her a glad tidings that was very particular to her, very specific to her, and was from her particular virtues. And that was the Prophet ﷺ said to her, that you will be the first of my family to come and meet me in the barzakh in the afterlife. Sayyidina Fatima said, I began to smile knowing that I will be given I will be giving my life in price just to meet the Prophet again. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I will be giving my life in price just to meet the Prophet again. And I'll be the first of my family to go and meet him. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, had so much love for Sayyida Fatima anha, that one day he was informed that Sayyidina Ali anha had a proposal for, for marriage with the daughter of Abu Jahl. When the Prophet heard this he delivered a sermon. he delivered a khutbah to, to, to his companions and he called them all together and he said Inni لَا أُحَرِّمُ حَلَالًا وَلَا أُحَلِّلُ حراما. He said, by Allah, I do not make that which is lawful, unlawful, and nor do I make that which is unlawful, lawful. But this is something which I will not allow. And that is that the daughter of the Messenger of Allah and the daughter of the enemy of Allah be in the nikah of one man. So the Prophet wasallam did not allow Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu an to marry so long as he was married to Sayyidina Fatima anha. And Sayyidina Ali then was loyal to that agreement that he had with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and he did not marry anybody so long as Sayyidina Fatima zahra anha was alive. After she passed away of course he married again uh, When the Prophet sallallahu alaihi um, left this world you can imagine uh, how, well, it's very difficult to imagine the situation of the companions. You know, if somebody, one of us, loses a member of the family, it's, it's really difficult. It's hard uh, to cope after that, uh, you know, with, 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 with the loss in the family. But the Prophet وسلم, leaving out from this world was was very much diff- different the Prophet ﷺ said, my ummah will not be struck by a greater calamity than my passing on from this world. There won't be a musibah in this ummah. There won't be a calamity greater than the fact that the Prophet ﷺ left this world. He passed on from this world, ﷺ. Sayyiduna Anas ibn Malik, anhu, who was a very close companion to the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, His mother, Umm Sulaim was a very intelligent woman. When the Prophet migrated to Medina, he, she took her son, Anas, who was only about 10, and said to the Prophet ﷺ, Messenger of Allah, this son of mine will serve you. And he said, I stayed in the service of the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years. alī uff in He never said Oof, to me, he never said to me, for something that I did, why did you do this? And no, for something that I missed out, why didn't you do this? But rather, if any one of his family would tell me off, he would say, leave him. If Allah wanted, it would have been. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu an. He was so close to the Prophet wa sallam, that he would walk in and out of the Prophet's house without permission, because he was a young lad. And he said, uh, I never touched the texture of silk that was softer than the palm of the Messenger of Allah. Wa and nor did I smell uh, any musk which was more fragrant than the natural. Uh, uh, than the natural fragrance of the noble body of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Sayyidina Anas was very 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 close to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Sayyidina Anas said It had been days we had not seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Our eyes were yearning for him And <coughs> uh, we had not seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Sayyidina Anas said The day that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam arrived to Medina uh, After migration He said kullu shay, Everything in Medina lit up through the presence of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa He said, it had been days that we had not seen him sallallahu alayhi wa And one day we were praying behind Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu An, who was appointed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi to lead the, lead the companions in prayer. He said that suddenly I had the curtain of the Prophet's house move. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi leaning on two of his companions, came out of his blessed house and into the masjid. And he said we were in a state in the state of prayer facing towards the qibla. But when we re- realised that the Prophet had entered into the masjid, our direction of prayer changed and we began to look at the Prophet. And he said, it was as if the pages of the Quran had been opened up in front of our eyes when we saw the noble face of the Messenger of Allah. And Sayyidina Anas said a heartbreaking statement. He said, and that was the last time I ever saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, it was at the end of that day that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam left from this world. And he said, the day that he left from this world, it was uh, as if everything had been switched off in Medina. All of that light and illumination, it was as if everything just switched off. And he said, and the companion said, we had never had a Prophet in us among, uh, amongst us before the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We didn't know what to think, what to believe, what to do. Uh, and people were in a state of chaos and in a state of confusion. It was Sayyidina Abu Bakr who calmed their confusion down and reminded them of of the afterlife and the meeting with the Prophet ﷺ in the afterlife and so on. And the state of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ was such that Sayyidina Umar pulled out his sword and he said Anybody who says that Muhammad has left this world, then I'm gonna deal with them. Whereas Sayyidina Abu Bakr, anh, he calmed him down and he said, oh, Umar, didn't you not hear Allah say, ka wa inna hum that indeed you shall pass on as those who went before you passed on to the next world. So Sayyidina Umar said, it was as if I had never heard that verse of the Quran ever before until Abu Bakr mentioned it to me. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr wasn't present in the house of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Rather he was out and then he was brought to the house of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he saw for the first time in his entire life, he saw the Messenger of Allah lying with his face, blessed face covered. And he went and uncovered the face of the Prophet. ﷺ. He held his upper arms, i.e., the Prophet's upper arms, and he lowered himself down towards the Prophet. ﷺ, and he kissed the noble forehead of the Messenger of Allah between his eyes. And he said, Wa Mustafa, wa Khalilah, wa Habibah. He said, Oh, my dear one, oh, my beloved, oh, my intimate friend, uh, Tibta Hayyan wa Mayyitan, you lived a good life and you have been given a good passing on from this world. Sayyidina Abu Bakr anh, he said, I calmed the companions down. And later on in life, somebody said to Sayyidina Abu Bakr, anh, uh, Oh Abu Bakr, uh, it seems like you've just had some, you've just been eating some roast, roasted meat. Uh, you, maybe perhaps you should use the miswak before you come out to the people and speak to them. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr said, No, I haven't been eating any roast, any meat. Uh, this smell that you can, uh, th- this smell that's coming from my mouth is not because of a food that I've eaten, but rather when the Messenger of Allah left from this world, everybody uh, expressed uh, their feelings uh, about the passing on of the Messenger of Allah. But I kept it in me such that it's burnt my inside and this is the smell of my inside burning away from from from, from the heart from, from from the heartbreaking experience that i had of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam pass on and the grandson of sayyidina umar radiyallahu an salim ibn abdullah ibn umar radiyallahu an said sababu maut abi Bakrin, mautu rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam that one of the causes or the main cause for the death of abu bakr was the passing on of the Messenger of Allah. Right? That's what caused him to pass on from this world. If that was the case, if this was the case of the companions of the Prophet, وسلم, can you just can you even imagine, start to imagine how it was for Sayyida Fatima عنها, to lose her father, the Prophet? And when when she lost the prophet sallallahu she said uh, what has befallen me what has befallen me of, of tribulation and hardship had it fallen upon daylight it would have become darkness till the end of time the sun would have never come out had this calamity fallen upon daylight Uh, this was the type of tribulation that she was put through but Sayyida Fatima the only thing that gave her uh, uh, hope to live those moments after the Prophet was the fact that she's going to be the first one to go and meet him in the barzakh she was going to be the first one to pass on after him and meet him uh, in, in the next realm so Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anha said that after we uh, buried the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, our hearts were disputing with what our hands had just done of burying the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, I came back to Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu anha and she looked at me and said, How did you place the earth over my father? She said, How did you place the earth over my father? So it was uh, a really testing um, situation that Sayyida Fatima anha, was put through right from the beginning of her life. She only lived for 28 years. And those 28 years were just uh, years of hardship and sacrifice and hope in the Akhira and uh, belief in what Allah has prepared for her and her family of great virtue and goodness uh, in the gardens of paradise and in the afterlife, uh, that she went through all of these tribulations and hardships and uh, without a doubt, the most difficult of them was the passing of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then Sayyida Fatima عنها, she only lived six months after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Only six months she survived living upon the earth. And you know, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there were animals who, when they found out of the passing of the Messenger of Allah, they just died. There was a donkey that the Prophet used to ride, right? And when the Prophet passed away, this donkey became it was as if it went mad. It went went like b- berserk. It went outrageous, right? Because this donkey felt that the Messenger of Allah had passed on from this world. And the Prophet used to ride that donkey. The donkey just went berserk and died because it couldn't live, right? One compa- Imam Ibn jasus al-Maghribi radiallahu anhu said that uh, there was one companion who off, upon hearing of the mes- passing of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he went out into the fields of Medina uh, to inform his father. Uh, he went out into the fields of Medina and he told his father, he said, uh, he, he gave him the news of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, passing on. And when his father heard that, he raised his hands and he said, Oh Allah, if this news is true, then take my sight from me, for I don't want to see anybody after the Messenger of Allah. And he went he went blind instantly. He lost his sight because he didn't want to see anybody after the Prophet wasallam. You know, the Prophet wasallam was the father figure of every single believing person in Madinatul Munawwara. You know, he, if he'd walk on the streets of Medina, the little girls of Medina would come and take by his hand, and they would walk. He, they would walk him in Medina, and the Prophet would say to them, "Walk with me in any of the streets of Medina. I'll walk with you." And you know, there was this one young lady who uh, who was um, who had a mental illness, and uh, people kind of avoided her and stuff. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ came to her and said, sit with me in any of the streets of Medina and I will sit with you and listen to what you've got to say. Right. You know, somebody who gives this, and do you know Imam At-Tirmidhi radiallahu mentions that, you know, the Prophet ﷺ was so close to his companions that if at times, if he had of the illness of any of his companions, uh, he would immediately leave out from his blessed house and at times he would leave out barefoot and walk to their homes just to find out their well-being and their health and so on. He would walk barefoot sallallahu alayhi wa And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi in all of the majesty and all of the honor and all of the great rank uh, and, and loftiness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed him with. He would go and pray the janazah of every person in Medina. Any person who would pass away, he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was there to offer their janazah prayers. Uh, anybody who was ill in Medina, he would go and visit them. Anybody who invited him Sallallahu Alaihi to, to their homes, the Prophet Sallallahu would never so no. Even if it was to the most simplest of foods, the Prophet Sallallahu would still attend the homes of his companions. So he would visit them in, in their homes. You know, and uh, one time the Prophet Sallallahu and you know when the Prophet would visit his companions, he wouldn't. What we understand from hadith is that he wouldn't just sit for like ten minutes and say, "Okay, that's enough, I'm going." He would go to their homes, and then they would slaughter a sheep for him. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Him and his companions. They were, at times some of the companions would slaughter a sheep, uh, clean it, uh, and then cook it, and then make bread. That takes a long time, doesn't it? And all that time, the Prophet ﷺ would sit in their homes, right, and in the you know, and and converse with them, and speak with them, and ask them uh, of their needs and so on. So the Prophet his position amongst his companions was uh, it was undividable. It was uh, it it could not be uh, absent. He was there, present with them in every moment of their lives. If they walked on the streets, they would see him. If they come to the masjid, they'd see him. If they'd go to the marketplaces, they'd see him. If they'd fall ill, he would come and see them. If somebody had passed away, he'd they'd see the, him in attendance. If they would go out to battle, he would be in the most difficult positions in the battlefield. The Sahaba said that if we want to find the Prophet in a battlefield, then we wouldn't find him retreating, sitting back in a tent, but we would have to go into the most uh, fierce parts of the battle to see that the Prophet ﷺ was there, right? Such a leader who, uh, who, who gave all of his concern and attention to the people around him, <coughs> when he passed on ﷺ, it was without a doubt the most difficult thing that happened to them. Look at Sayyidina Bilal. When the Prophet ﷺ passed on he tried every uh, trick to escape from Medina. He, just, he couldn't live in Medina. but Sayyidina Abu Bakr was very intelligent. Sayyidina Abu Bakr didn't want to lose Bilal, because he knew that Bilal has qualities of love for the Prophet ﷺ that are very rare. Sayyidina Abu Bakr didn't let him leave. It was only in the time of Sayyidina Umar that he kind of escaped in, in an uh, army to, to, to the lands of Sham, and that's where he lived. Right, and then he saw the Prophet ﷺ in a dream, and the Prophet said, "Ma hazal Why this harshness, O oh Bilal? You haven't visited us in such a long time." So the Prophet, uh, Bilal woke up, and he rode all the way to Medina, and visited Medina al munawwara And then the people asked him to say the Azan, and he said the Azan. And when he said the Azan, al the entire city of Medina shook, because they thought that the Prophet Sallallahu had been resurrected from his noble grave. Why? Because they heard a voice, they heard a sound that they would only hear in the presence of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. Now that they had heard that again, after so long, the young, the elderly, the children, the old women from the, within their homes, everybody came out thinking that the Prophet Sallallahu had been resurrected. Just by hearing the Azan of Sayyidina Bilal. So you can see how uh, the, the, the relationship of the companions was with the Prophet wasallam. Now imagine the relationship that Sayyidina Fatima ha- had with the Prophet wasallam, and how devastating it must have been, how difficult and troublesome it must have been, the Prophet wasallam passing on from this world. But it was only six months that she survived after him sallallahu alaihi wasallam and um uh, then she fell ill anha and on her deathbed when she felt the closeness of her death she was worried and concerned about one thing and that was that after she passes away that no man should even see her coffin no man should even see her coffin so uh, one of the ladies who was present uh, in her gathering was from Africa, from Habasha. And she suggested to Sayyidah Fatima that in her lands that when women uh, pass away and they are carried to the graveyard, that their uh, coffins are covered with, uh, 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 w- with, with large leaves, right? So that it cannot be noticed that this is, uh, the this is the deceased body of uh, a female, right? And when Sayyida Fatima heard that, she was very happy and she said, make sure after I pass away, uh, that's how I'm carried, uh, so that nobody gets to know that whether this is a male or a female who is being carried. So Sayyida Fatima, anha, uh, after six months of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passing away from this world, she also passes away uh, from this world. And the scholars differed as to when uh, uh, her janazah was offered and who it was offered by and where it took place some of the scholars have said that her janazah took place at night uh, and sayyidina ali radiallahu an led it and then she was buried at night right where was she buried and that's a mystery in itself right uh, most people when they go to madinatul munawwara they believe that she's buried in the graveyard of Al Jannatul al the graveyard of Medina al-Munawara, right? Uh, but there is a group of scholars who also believe that she's not buried in the Baqiyah, but rather she's buried in her own home behind the home of the Prophet sallallahu So if you go to Medina al-Munawara now and you enter through um, Bab Jibril, right, that area which is at the at uh, at the back of the Rada Sharifa and just before the Ahlul Sufa that Sayyidah Fatima is buried in that area there. But it's a mystery uh, because uh, the, the scholars, they, they differed uh, throughout the ages as to where she is buried. But there is a very strong opinion of Sayyida Fatima radiallahu anha, being buried in her own home, and that is within the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. And the reality of that Allah knows best of, um, but... Uh, Sayyidah Fatima anha if you now you, you can actually see into her blessed house uh, if you look from the gates at the back of the Roda Sharifa and you will also see a mihrab inside of the house of Sayyidah Fatima Allahu anha and that's known as the mihrab of tahajjud the mihrab in which the tahajjud prayer used to be offered uh, whether either by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi or by Sayyida Fatima radiyallahu uh, uh, anha, and in that place of prayer, uh, a mihrab was built uh, in the house of Sayyida Fatima radiyallahu anha, and her house was very very close to the noble chambers of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So hence he used to walk past their home and say as ya ala betti Rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And when we speak about homes of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his blessed chambers, uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz radiyallahu an uh, the just Khalifa of Islam عنه, he used to say "It it's my wish it's my wish that I be able to preserve the noble chambers of the Prophet exactly as they are so that the Muslims till the end of time will be able to see the simplicity in which their messenger lived his life the scholars have said that his noble chambers were if you raised your hand up you would be able to touch the ceiling right that's how low they were and uh, this it's their their space was just enough for 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 somebody to lie down in them and offer prayer right so basically uh perhaps the size of a storeroom that we would have in our homes right this is how the noble chambers of the Messenger of Allah and this is the simplicity in which he lived and in which Sayyida Fatima radhiyallahu uh, anha lived. And after she passed away, we can we can imagine the devastation that was left in all of the companions. Why? Because she was the last and final of the direct children of the Prophet وسلم, to survive. So after the Prophet وسلم, passed on, who was left? of that house of Sayyidah Khadija and the Prophet The only person that was left was Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu anha. When she passed on from this world, there was another devastation that struck the Sahaba and the ahlul Bayt and the people of Medina and that was that the closest person in family onto the Messenger of Allah has also passed away and all of these were very troubling and testing and difficult times for for the people of Madinatul Munawwara and in particular for the children of Sayyida Fatima radiyallahu anha Sayyiduna al-Hasan and Sayyiduna al-Husayn wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam rabbil alameen For more information and to listen to more podcasts visit us at ark.score or check out the ark media app